Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Everyone said, Amen. So I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10. Also, if you have any testimonies from a few Sundays ago where we pray for people to receive jobs or job schedule changes or supernatural debt cancellation, make sure you email that to us at info at FCCGA.com. I'll talk to one lady on Sunday, and they told me the testimony. We had people stand for a job, and they said they had applied for three or four jobs before, and they hadn't gotten any jobs, and they were kind of ashamed to stand. But the Lord said, you stand anyways, and we prayed for her. She said the next day she got a job. So you got testimonies like that. Make sure you email us so we can all celebrate together. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. One of the things I think the Lord is doing with us, on, especially on Wednesday nights, is preparing us for 2018. And so we're going to take this message a little bit a different way. But look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. Actually, we'll pick up in verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, you have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, what seest thou, or what do you see? So Jeremiah is having an encounter with the Lord. He's having a vision, and he sees things in this vision. But you know what's interesting about this? Sometimes we just read it and says, okay, this is the vision. Why didn't God say, Jeremiah, this is what you're seeing? God asked Jeremiah, what do you see? So that's the title of tonight's message, what do you see? God is interested in what you see. Go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. After Jeremiah said what he saw, the Lord said, you have seen well, or you have well seen. If God were to ask you tonight, what do you see, and you said what you saw, would God also say to you, you have well seen? When you look at your family, what do you see? When you look at your finances, what do you see? When you look at your talents and your abilities, what do you see? When you look at the end of this year and then 2018, what do you see? Proverbs 20, verse 12. Since the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. The New Living Translation says it this way. Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. So he's not just, yes, the natural eyes, the natural ears, those are gifts from God. But when he studied the Scripture, there's another type of sight. Maybe even people call it a secondary sight, where it's not just sight with your eyes or hearing with your ears. There is a spiritual sensing or a perception. So, when you look at this, what do you see? Is it an apple? Do you agree? Apple. 
You sure? What about this side? What do you see? You say food. You say fruit. Anybody else? Say an apple. You said a snack. It's <laughs> always hungry. What about this side? What do you see? You say fruit. Apple. Apple. Do you want to know what I see? I see several apple trees. I see families being fed. I see an apple cider mill producing money of people buying apple cider. I see jobs. I see industry. All in this one apple. What do you see? The problem isn't, did God provide? The problem is, what do you see with what he's provided? When you look at artists, if they're going to sculpt something out of marble, you'll see a block of marble or block of stone. They see a masterpiece. I was listening to something that Bishop Jake said, and he says, God gives trees, but too many people are praying for tables and chairs. And he says, you're asking God to do something he doesn't do. You're praying all day, God, just give me a table. If you give me a table, I'll be faithful. If you give me a chair, I'll serve you. You're praying for tables and chairs, but God gives trees. And it's up to you to make something out of what God gives you. So when you see a tree, you just say, oh, that's a tree. But with the right mind, you see tables and chairs and houses. So with what God has put in your hands today, what do you see? Because in order to do what God wants you to do in 2018, you just got to start seeing differently. Go to Genesis 13. What do you see? Because that's not natural sight. That's insight. That's perception. And there are things that can block that insight and that perception. Now, when we look at Genesis 13, we're aware of the promises that God made to Abram. His name hadn't even changed to Abraham yet. Told him how he would bless him, how he would make his name great, how he would do all these things for him. And he told him, leave your father's house. So Abram, Sarai, they left and took Lot with them. God said, leave Lot. Abram took Lot. And so immediately it wasn't an issue, but eventually it became an issue. We'll pick up in verse 5. So they leave Egypt, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. So not only was Abram being blessed, Lot was being blessed because he was with Abram. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray, you between me and you, and between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we are brethren, we're family. It's not the whole land before you. Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If you'll take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you come unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. 
Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, to you will I give it and to your seed forever." And I'll make your seed as a dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it you. Notice, Abraham couldn't see until he got out of disobedience. Although their intentions were right to bring Lot along, that wasn't what they're supposed to do. Just because it's nice doesn't mean it's right. Sometimes we're trying to help people out, but we could be aiding their disobedience. And you wonder why the blessing on your life is not increasing. It's because you're helping somebody rebel against God. So it says, after Lot was separated, God said to him. Also, what was something else that was blocking Abram's sight? Strife. Why did Abraham deal with it? There was strife rising, and he knew enough saying there should not be strife. So strife was removed. Disobedience was removed. Something also you should realize, being around, the wrong, being around the wrong company can cloud your vision. Being around the wrong company can cloud your vision. One of the things he says in the book of Acts after Peter and John and the apostles have threatened this is they came back to their own company. You have to have a company of faith that can see things like you see. Because the rest of the world may say you're crazy, but if there's enough people encouraging you to see, then it doesn't matter what the rest of the world says. You'll keep seeing, and if you can see things people can't see, you can get things people can't get. So you have to stay free from strife. You have to stay out of disobedience. You have to make sure you're around the right company. Because then he says, whatever you see, I will give it to you. Notice he didn't say, well, all this land, it's yours. Whatever you see. So what did God say next? Walk it all. Look at it all so that it's yours. This implies that if you don't see it, you won't get it. How many things do we miss because we don't see it? Go to Jeremiah 17. How many things do we miss because we don't see it? Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. Now, notice my heart departs from the Lord and once started with him. So he's not even talking to heathen people. He's talking to people that once walked with God and started trusting in man and man's ability and leaned on man's ability or what his flesh could do, and then his heart turned from God. They said that lifestyle is cursed, is empowered to fail. It says, for he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. So he'll live in a place that won't produce. But notice, it did not say good will not come to him. 
It says, he shall not see when good comes. That means good will come, but he won't see it. He's looking in the wrong direction. He's trusting in himself. He's trusting in man. So he's looking at this direction, trusting in the government, trusting in himself, trusting in his education, trusting in his abilities. And good is coming because God is good. And goodness is coming, but he's looking in the wrong direction. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope or the expectation the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Notice, it did not say heat would not come to him. It wouldn't say troubling times would not come to him. But he ain't looking at it. What is he looking at? The Lord. His goodness. So all those these things are coming, he's still flourishing. What do you see? Go to Matthew 13. Your vision, your perception is vitally important and it will be increasingly important in the days ahead. Remember, Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, what is that sight talking about? It's talking about your natural sight, your five senses, your natural perception. So that means we have to walk and live in a greater way that's not based on our natural sight. Faith will cause you to see things other people can't see. And faith will cause you to believe those things even when everyone says that ain't going to happen. But faith will stick with it, and so it manifests, manifested to a point where everyone else will see what you saw originally. Matthew 13, starting with verse 10. This is after Jesus talks about the parable, the sower sows the word. Jesus said in verse 9, who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? They're saying, they're noticing a difference. It's to the crowds you speak in parables, but when it's just us, you talk very plainly. He answered and said, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So this is two groups of people. One group is to know the mysteries, and the other one is not to know. Jesus goes on and says, For whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away, even that he has. We'll get into that in a minute. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Why? And then is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Who closed their eyes? They did it. That's why they don't see. That's why they don't hear. They close their own eyes. What happens if they open their eyes? That's that any time, someone say any time, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Says they, all they had to do was open their eyes. 
But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. What was the difference between this group and the other group? Because not only did Jesus make a distinction saying, you get mysteries, he called their eyes and their ears blessed. He's not just talking about their natural eyes and the ears. He's talking about your perception, your insight is blessed. Why? Go to Luke chapter 8. Why did they get to see? Why did they get to hear? Why were their seeing and hearing blessed? Luke chapter 8. Verse 1. This tells you who are in this group of people. Because a lot of times when people read the disciples, they think only the 12 apostles. And that was not who all the disciples were. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with them, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Johanna the wife of Chusa, hair steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto them of their substance. So when you look at chapter 8, it's the same thing as Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 13. So when the crowds leave, there are the 12 disciples. There's Mary Magdalene, there's Joanna, there's Susanna, and there's a other group of people not only are they dedicated to following Jesus, they're disciples. That means they're lining up their lives to follow his teaching, and they're also givers. This group of people went around traveling with Jesus to pay for stuff. They put themselves in position to hear. Could you imagine Jesus trying to pay for something and Mary Magdalene said, put that away? That's what they were doing. There's a group of people that travels and know Jesus, you ain't paying we're paying for it. And so they stay in a group around him. All this group of people, all of these disciples, and they were able to ask Jesus questions the crowds couldn't. Could you imagine how valuable and invaluable that is? Not just to be there when Jesus is preaching, but when he's done preaching, hey, what did you mean by that? Sometimes the best messages come not over the pulpit. Because I remember when I was a teenager, I'd travel with Bishop, and he would mention me taking me all around the world wherever he was going to preach. It was after he would have done preaching that some of the best stuff came out. I had learned after the first two trips, I would keep a notebook with me for afterwards. After he had finished preaching, we'd go to a restaurant, i have a notebook with me. Because then he starts saying more, because the anointing was still on him. And then he could say stuff to us personally he couldn't say in the crowds. I remember when he took us to Dad Hagen's last camp meeting. And so he had finished preaching. He preached on faith from Genesis to Revelation in four sessions. Every reference of faith. Y'all think I talk fast. Bishop was moving. And so we're at the table, me and Reverend Sull Dexter Sullivan now and Pastor Deborah, and we're comparing notes because Bishop was moving. So he comes back to the table and just started talking about, here's how you take care of your voice for ministry. And he started talking about the practical things of the trade. And they talk about just, just sharing. What happened? We had put ourselves in position to receive. These people have put themselves in position to receive from Jesus. That's why their ears were blessed. That's why their eyes were blessed. They had put themselves in position to receive. And he said to them in verse 10, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables. He says, you get it. But notice what it says in verse 18. 
Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever has to him shall be given, and whosoever has not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. So what are they talking about being given and being taken away? Ears to hear, eyes to see. If you don't use your eyes to see and your ears to hear, you will lose that spiritual perception. But if you use it, you will gain more spiritual perception. That's what he's saying. He says, yes, your ears, your eyes, you're blessed. But if you keep using them, you're going to get more. See, revelation is progressive. Revelation builds. Revelation increases. That's why you can hear the same message again and again and again, and it keeps building. You get things out of it that you didn't hear before. The message didn't change. It was the same message, but your ears have improved. Your eyes have improved. That's why the same amount of people can come to the same experience, sit next to each other. One person's life is changed. The other one says, well, they didn't say nothing. Ears, eyes. What do you see? What do you hear? See, when you read the Gospels, Jesus made it very personal. When Peter sunk, he was walking on the water, and he began to sink, and Jesus grabbed him. What did he say to Peter? Peter why did you doubt? Sometimes you just read it, okay, why do you doubt? Wow. But he said, why did you doubt? That's personal. Peter, you knew better. Peter, you knew me better than that. You didn't have to sink. You could have walked on water. Now, thank God for Peter's boldness to get out the boat. And thank God a lot of people have boldness and they get out the boat. But how many times do we sink because we start looking at the wrong thing. Peter got out the boat because God gave him the word. So he walked on the word that the word that was carrying him above the waters. And so he's looking at Jesus. But it says he began to look at the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves did not start once he got out the boat. They were always going on. But when his sight changed, he began to sink. If you're going to do the impossible in 2018, if you're going to walk on the water, you have to maintain your eyes on Jesus. You have to maintain your eyes on the vision he's put in front of you. You can't be distracted or you'll begin to sink. It didn't say he began to drown. It just began to sink. And Jesus was right there. So either Peter got really close or Jesus translated to get him. Thank God for the mercy of God. He'll catch you. He'll keep you. But don't rely on mercy. Live by faith. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. As I said before, your perception and your sight is vital to your future. Is this helping anybody tonight? 2 Kings chapter 4. When you look at different situations, what can it become? One of the things I began thinking about this past few days, I'm doing the next few days, is I'm going through everything in this ministry. I'm looking through every department. What can it become? What am I doing? I'm beginning to imagine. I'm beginning to dream, not just the church at large, every single department. Whoa, what can our kids' world become? What can our youth ministry become? What can our seniors' ministry become? 
What can our marriage ministry become? What can our singles ministry become? Looking at it as individual departments and dreaming. How are you looking at things? Or have you just said, oh, whatever happens will happen? Because Ephesians 3.20, you can do exceedingly above all that you can ask, pray, think, or imagine according to the power that works in you. But if you don't think, if you don't imagine, if you don't ask, it doesn't even matter if you have the power working. You have to think, you have to imagine, you have to ask. You have to use your imagination. What can you see? Dr. David Yonggucho, pastor of either the largest church or still one of the largest church in the world, he would walk into the building, small little building, not a lot of people in it, but he'll walk through and says, I want to say hello to everyone in the balcony. There's nobody in the balcony. He didn't even have a balcony. But he saw one. And now one of the churches, this one of the previous building, they had two balconies. And he talked about how he would imagine, how he would envision, how he would see the future. And so he built the world's largest church. They got about a million members. That's how many they had 10 years ago. And so, you know, they thought, well, the church is getting too big. So they said, well, I let my little brother start a church. And so he's got a small church of half a million people. Then someone else said, yeah, you start another church. And they got a small church of 350,000 people. They bought a mountain. Who even knew mountains were for sale? They bought a mountain because they needed to have all-night prayer, so they bought a mountain, and that's where they pray. He began to dream. He began to imagine. He began to see things differently. Now, I can hear Tim's story, a message he preached. What do you see? He would say it again and again. What do you see? What do you see? Because people who see different things can get different things. Now, I think it might have been Craig Rochelle, someone else like that. And he said, I'm not after what the rich people have. I'm after how they think. How do you think? How does Oprah think? How does Bill Gates think? How does Warren Buffett think? Yes, what they have is great. But the thing is, you can take everything they have away, and they'll get some more. Because it's a mentality. It's what they see. It's how they think. It's their perception. It's their business sense. That's why people want to be around them. They're trying to learn, how did you do what you did? And the thing is, you have the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you how to see if you listen. He'll tell you what to look for. 2 Kings chapter 4. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. What is this? This was a man who was training in the ministry, was called to the office of the prophet. Elisha was training a number of them, but this man, for whatever reason, died early. He was faithful to God. He was faithful to the ministry, but he was bad with money. And so he took out a loan. He probably thought he could pay it back, but he died. His wife had no way to pay back the money. And the creditor says, well, we're going to take your two sons and sell them into slavery, and that's how we're going to pay the rest. 
So she runs to the man of God, says, what am I going to do? And Elisha responds to her and says, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? What do you already have? What's in your house? And she said, your handmaid has not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. I sold everything. I have nothing left. What do you mean, what do I have in the house? He says, I only got this small little pot of oil. That's all I have. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all your neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when you are come in, you shall shut the door upon you and upon your sons and shall pour it out into the vessels, and you shall set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, there's not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay the debt and live you and your children on the rest. Where was the miracle? It was already in her house. All she needed was that pot of oil and the Word of God. Everything she needed, she already had. But she didn't see it until the man of God said, pointed it out. Your perception is key. What is in your house? What has God put in your hands? Sometimes we shouldn't be looking to get something new, but learn how to use what we have. You know, I was listening to, I uh, went to a meeting that Craig Rochelle and Stephen Furter preached at at Ben Winston's church back in April. And so I was listening to them preach, and it was a leadership meeting, it was a ministry meeting, and they're pouring to all those there. And they were talking, especially Craig Rochelle, talking about how he's the one who invented the Bible app. We used the version Bible notes. He and his church invented it. And they talked about all these things they invented and did by accident. Said it wasn't purpose. We were working on something that didn't work out, but then that led to something else. And so he was talking about looking at your situation. And he says, do you mean to tell me that the Almighty God hasn't given you enough? Instead of looking at your situation of not having enough, be innovative how you look at your situation. Stop seeing lack and see opportunity. And he says, it's not that you don't have enough. It's you're not using what you have. What do you already have in your house? What skills, talents, and abilities have you set aside because you think, oh, that doesn't mean anything? You have to look at it differently. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread. So the Bible calls her a great woman. She lives in the city, and she knew he was a man of God, and I guess she didn't believe any skinny preachers. So it's like, you coming here to preach, you coming to prophesy, you coming to eat. So it constrained them, so it wasn't like, oh, will you please come to eat? It was one of those church mothers, you are going to eat, and you're going to eat right now. And she said unto her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. 
Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he comes to us, he shall turn in there. And it fell on a day that he came there and turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for you? Would you be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she said, I dwell among my own people. I'm good. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi said, verily she has no child and her husband is old. You know you're old when the Bible calls you old. And so this woman saw that Elisha's a man of God. He's a man of God, so we're going to bless him. This is her mentality. She wasn't even thinking about a harvest, but she saw something. He passed by many houses. Many people saw him, but she saw something different. And because she saw something different, she said to her husband, let's expand our house. Let's build him a guest room. Let's put some furniture in there, and when he comes, he can stay there. She saw something different, so she made preparations no one else made. She prepared for a miracle she didn't even know she needed. And so the man of God says, by this time next year, you will have a child. How did she prepare? Because she saw something differently. It led her to a season of preparation that prepared her for a miracle, and it also sustained her miracle even when Satan attacked it. Because you saw something different. What do you see? What do you perceive? Go to chapter 6. Because that story goes, the child grows up, it gets older, has a heat stroke, and he dies. She puts him in the room of the man of God. The room that her perception prepared. Went to the man of God, confessing the whole time, it is well, it is well, it is well. And the man of God came and prayed, and the baby boy came back to life. In the room, her perception prepared. What will your perception lead you to do? What will your perception cause you to prepare? Because we shouldn't always be dealing with things at the last minute. Our perception should cause us to prepare. It was a number of Wednesdays ago when I was preaching, the Lord said, prepare, prepare, prepare. In order to prepare, you must have heightened perception. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, And the man of God sent it to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that ye pass not to such a place, for there the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king's ear was sore trouble for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. So what's going on? It doesn't even say the king of Israel is righteous and living for God. But God cared for his people. So God would tell Elisha, this is where the enemy is. So Elisha sent word, don't take your army that way. The enemy is hiding there. And they would go the other way, and he would save the army. It says not once or twice, but this happened all the time. 
So the king of Syria is getting frustrated. He says, who is a spy here? Who is telling my plans to the king of Israel? And it says, none of us, king, but there's a prophet who sees things. There's a prophet who hears things. And he tells the king everything you say when you're in your bedroom. Whew. So he says, go get this prophet. Go get this person that can see. Go get this person that can hear. Because they're seeing and they're hearing and they're messing up my plans. So he sends a whole army to take one man. So it says that Elisha's assistant pastor wakes up early in the morning, walks outside, getting the crust out of his eyes, checking his Instagram page, seeing who likes stuff, looks up. The whole city is surrounded by an army. The entire city, just to get one man. So he runs back to Elisha, says this faith stuff has gotten us in trouble. We're surrounded by this army. What are we going to do now? Verse 16, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And did he even say that Elisha saw the angels? He already knew they were there. He could perceive they were there. He wasn't worried. He wasn't stressed. He said, open his eyes so he can see. And this is the Lord opened that man's eyes. And he saw that around the army that surrounded the city was the forces of God. Angels and chariots. So the thing is, you may think you're surrounded by problems. But God has already surrounded your problems. But you don't have eyes to see it. And if you don't have eyes to see it, you're going to freak out and get into fear and miss your miracle. Don't think nothing snuck up on you. God's already surrounded your enemy that thought they surrounded you. But what did Elisha pray? God deal with enemies? No, open this guy's eyes. And then he prayed another simple prayer. Take the sight of the enemy. And so they couldn't see. So Elisha goes up to them and says, hey, let me lead you guys to a safe place. So he leads the whole army. The whole army is following Elisha because they can't see, but he can. And so he takes them to the camp of the king of Israel. And the king of Israel says, Elisha, what do we do? Do we kill him? What do we do? Because all the eyesight comes back. He says, no, feed them and send them home. And then the land has rest. All because one man could see and hear. Changed everything. What will change because you can see and hear? What will your perception cause you to prepare? How will you act differently because you can see differently? Let's close here by going to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. 
Now, this prayer that I'm about to read you, you need to pray this prayer for yourself three times a day and for the rest of the year. This is your homework. Pray this prayer for yourself three times a day for the rest of the year. When the Lord was reminded of this instruction, or was reminded of what Dad Hagen did back in the 30s and the 40s, I believe. You know, we've learned a lot from the revelation he received and how he's taught Bishop and taught several others. And we've learned from the revelation they received. But he says he began to get revelation like this when he would pray this prayer about three times a day. He'd go into his church and he'd pray this prayer. And he said he did it for a while. It didn't seem like anything was happening. But all of a sudden, revelation, insight started coming. So what is this prayer? Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding, your thinking, your thoughts, your imagination, being enlightened or flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope or the expectation of his calling or his invitation. And what are the riches or the abundance of the glory of his inheritance that's in the saints? So what is this? That you may know the abundance of the glory that's already on the inside of you. Because if you don't know it, if you don't see it, you'll never use it. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? So the power is already towards us. But if you don't know it, you'll never use it. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which has come, and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So how do you pray this for yourself? You pray, Father, I pray that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that my eyes of understanding are being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe according to the work of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. Far above all things, you put all things under his feet. Pray that three times a day for the rest of the year. Watch your perception change. Watch your insight deepen. You'll begin to see things differently. It may not be that you need more. It may be that you need to see what you have differently. What do you see? Stand to your feet. can't just look at things like they're a snap. Because what happens, if you always look at things the wrong way, you miss the power of a seed. Because you can eat a seed and receive very little nutrition. It might taste good, depending on the seed. But the power of a seed is it needs to be planted. But if you don't have the right vision, you'll just eat the seed. But in the same way, you won't see, like, what's the point of me really studying? What's the point of me, outside of work, making myself better? You know, 
Why should I read a book a week or read a new book every month? Why should I research my craft? What is it really going to do? You just look at things and say, ah, it doesn't really matter. But you studying is a seed. You researching your craft is a seed. You paying attention to the world around you is a seed. You studying how industries change is a seed. But you have to have perception and insight. One of the things I study and I read about is watch how culture changes and industries change. Because if something changes, that affects everything. How people perceive things. You go back 15 years ago, you know, our attention span was a lot better. We thought it was challenging then. But then the iPhone came out three years after that. And it's changed the world. It's not just in America people walk around like this. I'm in Africa, they're walking around like this. I've even seen them balance things on their head while they're looking at their phone heading to a Wi-Fi spot. I was in Bulgaria, they're walking around. The whole world has changed. And the thing is, if we always think that, okay, they're going to put that phone down. <laughs> yeah, right. So what do you do? Do you keep yelling at them, put your phone down? Or do you get in that phone? You look at industries differently. One of the things I look at, we talk about expanding and our, our outreach in the future. People say, well, the next thing is you need to be on TV. Why? That industry is changing. It's collapsing. Who really wants to pay for cable anymore? And you got things like Netflix, streaming services. And you have other big companies that are changing everything that's going to change the industry. So TV, as we know it, may not be the same within five years. So why invest a lot of money in going on TV when TV's changing? But if you can see something differently, you can get ahead of the curve. So why put all that money on TV when you can be on YouTube for free? What do you see? That's why when we get into the new building and have new cameras and we're going to be on YouTube. What do you see? These cameras are okay, but it doesn't give the quality because what people see would be differently. We're looking at things differently. And one of the reasons we do a lot of things we're doing, preparing for our future, is we're building for the future. Not thinking that things are going to always stay the same. They're going to change. But if you don't have sight for the future, you're missed the change. Technology changes everything. One of the things you'll see as you study culture, industry changes to the point that some industries don't even exist anymore that were here 30 years ago. But the thing is, if we're always consistent that this industry is going to be here forever and it closes down, what are you going to do? But if you have sight, you can adjust with the times. And you don't have to worry, am I relevant? Of course you are. You have sight. You have wisdom. You have perception. So things will change. But if you see, you can move ahead. Because didn't Jesus say the Holy Spirit was sent to show you things to come? So we can be prepared to move. We'll be prepared to shift. We'll be prepared because we have the right perception. We'll be prepared because we could see. So pray that prayer three times a day. Because in the days to come, I need you to 
see. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.